Welcome to the four-part teaching series, Bible 101, featuring Costin and Mandy Woodhouse. In this series, you'll learn how we got the Bible, its prophetic nature, how your identity is rooted in Scripture, and much more. And now here's your host, Jeff Tharp. What's going on, everybody? Happy Friday. I'm super excited. I've been loving this series, you guys. I think Costin and Mandy both carry, um, you can tell that they're intimate with the Lord. You can tell that they are friends of God. And I absolutely love what they bring, what they carry. Um, and I know them personally, you know, so I've gotten to know them behind, uh, behind the scenes and they're just genuine people who love God. Um, and they just stir that hunger to pursue God yourself, um, and a hunger for the word. They both love the Bible. Um, and that's evident when you get to know them. And a lot of you guys have probably noticed that just in these episodes with them intermittently on this show. Um, so very exciting. Also, I want to point out that uh, this is part three of four of the Bible 101 series. Uh, as many of you know that we do teaching series intermittently throughout the year. And so we'll bring someone on for anywhere between two to four episodes. And uh, they teach on any any given subject. Each episode's episode is kind of building on the next one sort of and integrating them all in and and there's so many different directions you can go with a series about about the bible and so um i'm just i'm really loving this i think it's absolutely great so uh i think that's it you guys uh we got a lot of ground to cover with these teaching series so i try to keep these intros a little bit shorter Uh, i'm not always successful uh but let's give it up for my guest today he's a bible teacher he's a preacher and he's also a prophetic teacher as well let's give it up for my guest today, Costin Woodhouse. Costin, welcome back. Jeff, great to be back. Yeah. All right. So, Costin, um, on the first uh, part one of four, we talked a lot about uh, manuscripts, the reliability of manuscripts. We talked about the overarching meta narrative within the Bible. Um, really, really, really great stuff. Um, just, uh, you know, I, I loved that first episode because, you know, we talked about in that episode, there's a lot of, uh, reels and TikToks going around of people that are, that have left the church and, and I think they've got this gotcha of proving that we can't trust these manuscripts. Um, and that what I loved about that episode is you really pointed out that a lot of our, uh, history that we treat that is, it is concrete. This is what happened. We've got 10 manuscripts, we've got seven, we've got a handful of manuscripts, but the New Testament has thousands of manuscripts um, that, you know, it's it's super reliable, (laughs) especially in contrast to a lot of, you know, the stuff we know about Julius Caesar and all that stuff that we're dealing with, you know, a dozen manuscripts, maybe, you know, so, um, and then in the second episode, we had Mandy on, your amazing wife, and we talked a lot about identity um, and using scripture to confirm who we really are, what our identity is. You know, we, t- we jumped into Hebrews chapter four, verse 12. There was a lot in there. Um, but in today's episode, uh, what are we going to be talking about? Yeah. So last week, a lot of teaching, or well, last time I spoke, uh, a lot of teaching, a lot of foundational stuff and, uh, you know, in a way, fairly heady stuff, although it's, um, it's pretty basic in terms of just, just straight comparison of history and stuff like that just how reliable the bible is how many witnesses but this week i want to speak very differently um if anyone that's any of the previous um episodes have been a part of you know uh you know i can come across very teachy and and stuff which is great yeah, i love it body but 
actually primarily I speak from a place of revelation. So a place of the Holy Spirit. I'm very much a prophetic teacher first and foremost, but sometimes you have to lay those foundations, don't you? Oh, yeah. So if you want a subheading for today for Bible 101, it'd be uh, tremble at my word mm. or tremble at his word. And I'm going to open by just jumping into a couple of encounters I had, if that's all right, Jeff. Yeah, just I would love to hear, man. I'm stoked. The relationship nature of interfacing with the word of God and who he is. So um, this is, didn't happen that long ago, in um, at least in terms of my life. Uh, it was just a, a few months ago uh, last year. I was sitting at uh, my desk, which is just to my left of me, and you know, we've, we've been through a transition period, a lot of challenges. Uh, we've been part of building and pioneering some things. And in my spirit, feeling very tired, passing through lots of different tests and lots of different refining things. And as I was reading the word, um, all of a sudden, the fear of God hit me. And I grabbed my Bible. She got my uh, New American Standard here. And it's just this exact Bible here. And I grabbed it and I began to cry and I grabbed it and I hugged it really tight. Mm. And I like, and I was trembling and I realized that I, I, that without it, I would be absolutely lost. And I uh, began to cry and I just said to the Lord, I, I was, I was trembling and I, in awe of his word. And I just said to him, thank you. Cause I would be absolutely lost without you, without wow. your word. Um, there's nothing that I can rely on and no one and, uh, no way to know you for sure apart from this. And I, I, I don't have truth. I don't have an anchor apart from you. And it wasn't just uh, a revelation like a, of knowing that that's true. Because I think many of us listening to this right now, you, you've got to know, we know that, right? Mm -hmm. But uh, in the Psalms, David says, as, the, um, as a, a maidservant looks to her mistress, so we look to you, O Lord. And I realized like, Without his word, without him, it'd be like not having any food. Um, you know, it's one thing that we live in the 21st century. We go to the supermarket or whatever for food. But, uh, you know, agrarian culture, especially BC, if there's no rain, there's no food and we all starve. Mm. And there's a sense of awe that comes with that. And it, it was like that. I realized, like, if I don't have this, I'm going to die. Mm. I, I am utterly dependent, utterly dependent on him and his word. Uh, about a week later, I was praying and uh, I was worshipping, excuse me, I just had my guitar out and, and uh, I did a lot. It's a good habit to have just on my own. I'll just play and worship and um, I encourage you to make it a habit of your life. It's utterly changed my life in the last 10 years. Uh, to have that place of intimacy with him where you're not just um, listening to worship or singing or worshiping with other people, but doing it on your own, whether it's in a guitar or some other instrument, or you've just got, you know, uh, your, your speaker on through your phone or your whatever, um, just finding that place where you're on your own and cultivate that place because it's so important, it's utterly important to do it by yourself and with others where it's not just part of a service, you actually intentionally choose to do it in intimacy. And I, um, I was just playing on the guitar and worshiping and all of a sudden I closed my eyes and I saw a realm of, um, I'm using some 
language there, uh, some jargony language there. But um, I just had a picture in my spirit of this place of utter darkness and of infinite darkness, as in it, um, it was timeless, it was eternal darkness. And it, it, was, um, it, was, it was beyond time, it was outside of time. And I saw them, I saw the lost um, as they are in the spirit. Uh, I don't know if metaphorically or if that's the literal thing in the spirit realm, that's not what I, I'm trying to communicate. I'm just telling you what I, what I experienced, yeah. that they were utterly and infinitely in blackness. And coming with that, I felt the Lord's heart for the lost. But he, that wasn't just the only thing he was showing me. I saw that I didn't have any light. And then as I saw that, a light shone from behind me. I realized the light was coming from the word of God, but it was also coming from me hmm. um, as I carried the light of God, both him, his spirit and his word, Christ in me. And it entered into that space. And I realized that if I speak the word or if the word itself, whether through my mouth or through the written word or some other way comes into their lives, the light of God comes into the eternal darkness of the lost. As that happened, I heard a few scriptures spring into my spirit. Um, one was uh, um, Psalm 19, 8. Um, it says that um, your word, in, it, it uh, brings enlightening to the eyes. Uh, one, a classic one, your word is a lamp to my feet and a mm -hmm. light to my path. And uh, I got a little bit of Psalm 119. I'm just going to read it. So yeah, you haven't got it memorized, and um, oh wow, just open straight to it. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Psalm one nineteen verses one thirty. Uh, I know last week Mandy talked about you know her Bible sitting on her passenger seat and set the passenger alarm off because uh -huh. like, yeah, there's a there's a weight to the Word of God. Yeah. it's it's so weighty. It says the unfolding of your words give light. It gives understanding to the simple. Mm. Um, Psalm 199, sorry, Psalm uh, uh, 119, verse 129. Uh, is that right? I've got the wrong thing written there because there's no 199. Must be 119, verse 9. Pulling it up to you. Yeah. You read out of the NASB, right? 1995? Yeah. Mm -hmm. oh. Um, how can a young man keep his way pure by keeping it according to your word? With all my heart, I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. Your word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. Uh, and most of Psalm 119 is David crying out for God's word mm. and his love for his word and for God's word. Uh, I, I can I could feel his cry for the word of God in my heart as I had these new encounters. Wow. There wasn't just David like reading he would have been reading the books of Moses, the, the you know, the um the, the Torah or the Pentateuch, or whatever you want to call it, uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And uh, he would have almost certainly been reading that and uh, meditating on that. And in the midst of that, he's crying out for God's word and saying these things. Proverbs 4.19, it says that, uh, that the unrighteous, they, they don't even know what, over what they stumble. 
the, there's something about the word of God. Like I've read and met people's testimonies, read these testimonies of people and met people, spoken to people. And they've done things like read a Bible. I got a guy from India that uh, just read a Bible one day and said that he got born again. Just read he read the Bible from front to back, got born again, came to Australia and he prayed. He said, God, I read all these things. But if they're true, like, I need to know, like, especially the supernatural. So it wasn't so much about being born again. He already had faith in Jesus and, it, and he was experiencing God. But he, he needed to know how I'm reading, like, people getting healed and people getting you know, delivered and all this stuff. Like, if it's real, I need to know. And a friend of mine was walking around the supermarket in Brisbane and uh, the Lord said to him, I need you to go up to this guy. And he just points out this Indian guy across the room and says, um, you need to go up to him and say, everything you've read in the Bible is true and it's real for today. Something <laughs> that effect. Yeah. And so um, being the man of God that he is, he's like, all right, let's do it. So he walks across and just talks, walks up to this guy and he's like, hey, man, you don't know me, but bang, and just says it. Come on. I, I've met these people and their testimonies. I read the word of God and they, their eyes are enlightened and they don't even know like morally and in terms of like the what is the universe and who am I and where am I and they've got nothing to go on. It's these snippets of half truth that get vomited out of the various cultures that we grow up in mm-hmm. around the world. And there are snippets of half truths and truths, and sometimes they're more dangerous than 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 helpful. And um, but we've got nothing without His Word and His entrance of His Word brings light. Even the law. Uh, you asked me uh, last year about, you know, when people read the law, like, you know, the, 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 especially the first, uh, you know, five books in terms of like Leviticus and, and Deuteronomy and, and, yeah. and uh, Exodus and so on. Um, you know, what can they expect? You can expect light. Yeah. You don't actually know the difference between right and wrong perfectly until you read the word of God. Hmm. It's not about up here. People will go, oh, you know, what is sin and can you define sin and what's your list of sin? What, that, that, rubbish. Paul talks about that. Timothy says people that want to have arguments about the law understand neither what they're talking about nor the things they make confident assertions about. Sin is sin and it has a destructive quality that permeates through eternity and through who we are and it resonates. And the same is true of truth is that it resonates with who we are. Righteousness resonates with something in us um, for good or for bad. And I mean that is in the sense that... Um, not so much for good or for evil, but in the sense that it'll it'll s- slice between the things that we're agreeing with that aren't true and are true, the things that are sin and are not, that are between sin and righteousness. And just reading it will bring light to your eyes. And unbelievers, you know, uh, uh, multiple testimonies. When I was, uh, I used to counsel new Christians. When I say counsel, I mean like uh, not counseling, but like when they come off an altar call or they come into church for the first time and like, I just gave my life to Jesus. Uh, I'd often be the person who would walk them through the initial stages of, uh, or be part of a team that did that sometimes, you know, mm, in classes. I can think stuff. of nobody better to do that, man. It's just like, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And they like tell me, oh, you know, my wife got saved a few months ago and I, she left a Bible on the coffee table and I just opened it up and I started reading and it's like, I didn't even know I was a sinner. I didn't know I was, I didn't know I was wrong. But when I read this, sometimes it was, often the gospels um, sometimes so jesus i think sometimes he just speaks righteousness but he does it through parables so it grips the heart whereas you know the law more like just says hey black and white here it is here it is yep 
and, and that can grab people at different places, but they read it and they're like, oh my gosh, I, I know I'm a sinner or I know what righteousness looks like. I need more. I need to know. I need to do something in response to this. And eventually that hopefully leads to, I need Jesus. As a, you know, the Holy Spirit comes and he brings uh, a convincing of the heart to say, hey, righteousness is true. Sin is true. Um, and Jesus is true. And you need him and you stand before the father who created you, who's in whose, um, by whose breath you live and, and, and exist right now. And you're on borrowed time, his truth. Mm. <sighs> um, <laughs> you know, Proverbs chapter eight says that the way of wisdom, all her ways or actually she speaks in the first person, even though wisdom is Jesus, um, but it's personified as a she in, in a manner of speaking. In, um, in Proverbs chapter 8, she says, all my ways are in righteousness. Uh, those that hate me love violence and uh, love, de- love death. And uh, everything that comes from him is light. And his word enlightens the eyes. He shows us what it is, what darkness is. We need it like breath. Uh, in the wilderness, Jesus said to the enemy, he said, uh, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Yeah. As I was exploring this uh, encounter with the Lord, he showed me something from uh, Proverbs, from Hebrews. Uh, chapter 10 and from uh, Colossians chapter 2. And in both of those chapters, uh, the Apostle Paul in, in, in Colossians and whoever the author of Hebrews is, um, both saying um, basically almost in the same words that in the law we have a shadow of Jesus Christ. Now, many of us are familiar with that, that mm-hmm. idea. And uh, as I as that came, as the Holy Spirit brought that to my mind, he spoke to me and he said, the law is a shadow of Jesus Christ. Even my shadow is light. Hmm. Even my shadow is light. Even the law is a light. It's perfect and holy. You know, you, you shared a, you know, about, you know, where many of us are aware of like different, different things, people, deconstructing their faith yep. um i'm interested to find if they know understand exactly what deconstructionism actually is and where it's meant to head um if you're going to deconstruct something do it properly um because it's yeah. ultimately a search for meaning but yeah uh, un, unrefined deconstruction is more lead you to meaningless and if, mm. if life is meaningless so you might as well throw it all out now because it, it means nothing so all your all your offense and all your conviction is actually useless uh, so that's anyone that's super intellectual and you're going down that path i'll tell you now it's big dead end full of, you know, just nothing. Yep. Um, and, and all these things, people go, oh, you know, like, uh, you know, gotcha, you know, the, you know, history proves the word of God's been tampered with or it's not true uh-huh. or it's not reliable, which we went through that last week. It's absolute rubbish and it's not provable in any way. Right. We've been around this mountain before, um, you know, just before the Second Great Awakening at the end of the 1800s, like you had, you know, universities that were making fun of the Bible and all this stuff and they're like, oh, you know, gotcha, but rubbish like it's 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 always stood up to, to right. scrutiny and yep uh and, and compared with historical documents it just 
absolutely dominates them as far as numbers. Absolutely, like, man. Like your um, description two weeks ago of, uh, you know, the Super Bowl, you know, as far as history is concerned, there's, you know, there's five guys on the street watching Julius Caesar where there's 40,000 fans watching or 70,000 fans watching the Super Bowl and 150 cameras and live screening. That's the Gospels. That's that's the the scriptures. Yeah. Uh, there's just too many witnesses for it. Yeah, it's, it's like if you have 10 people telling you who a winner is versus 40,000 people telling you who are yeah. winners, who's the more reliable? Exactly. Probably the 40,000 people all saying the same thing, you know? Yeah, if somebody comes in and says something pear-shaped, you know it. there's too many people that saw it to go, oh, no, that's not what everyone yeah. said. Yeah, yeah. So we got we got that end of the spectrum where you know, people uh, um, proving the, reli- the reliability, having to like go back and go, no, 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 the Bible's actually reliable. This is, we've been here before. That's one end of the spectrum. We need to move from that. Yeah. Because that's really, that's just apologetics. That's really just for the world and maybe to debunk um, right now some questions that might be coming against believers to try and take them out. But we want to move forward and go, you know what, we actually trust the word of God. It's more than just we understand its reliability and we trust that realm of the word of God, but actually it's right. living, powerful, active, changes my life. Come on. Uh, when, you re- when I read the Bible, when you read it, it's more than information. It's more than a historical document. It grips the heart. It reads you. And when you interface with the word of God, and I use the word interface for a reason, you're not just reading something, thinking about it, you know, reading commentary or getting context. That's all good. But you're, you're like, it's almost like plugging. You're like, when I turn my computer on, you know, uh, if I grab somebody from the 17th century and put them in front of my laptop, let's say there was a Word document on the page, and they can look at it and go, oh, wow, this is like a magic book that, um, that the words light up on the page. Yeah. You know? And so, because they're, the depth of their understanding is, oh, it's a book. Right. You know? But they don't know that there are realms of interaction that I can have with my laptop through um, interconnectivity, the internet, and various programs mm-hmm. that um, are deeper. There are whole different level of dimensions that I tap into. Even right now, you, you know, um, Jeff and I are connected between two different countries and two different time zones. There is multiple layers of technology. We've got illumination and Matt in the background right yeah. now. There's so much Michael. going on. <laughs> Michael, there not Matt. I got you. Oh, sorry, Michael. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, Michael. You know um, who you are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know, multiple screens in front of me. I could be pulling information from the internet at the same time. Yeah. That can all happen. The Bible's like that. When you sit and you read it, you are turning on the most interactive engagement of anything that exists in all reality. And you get to plug in with God. You get to plug in with the saints in history and their testimony. You, uh, it reacts back with you and, and will speak to your heart. As you read, the Holy Spirit is here and he, he speaks to you. And he, he'll do things like tell you things. He will highlight his word to you and say, hey, this is a promise. Uh, for example, uh, Abraham uh, in Genesis 15, you know, he's, he's just hanging out with God and God's like, I'm going to make you great and bless you. Mm. Just that, and that's what God's like. And I'll, I'll talk about the language of God in a minute. But interacting with his word and with him and the Holy Spirit in prayer with the word in front of you and reading it, 
he begins to interact with you and he begins to change your life as you read the word it grips your heart it tells you things that you know it'll show you where there are things in your heart that are pleasing to the lord and he'll speak to those things and he'll show you where there are things that out of alignment with who you truly are in christ and what his word says you know if you um partnered with offense or partnered with hate or partnered with anger or partnered with uh, unforgiveness or you're living in um in sin or your motives aren't pure in a certain situation you're reading the word and then the word will will slice through that and the holy spirit will speak to you be like you'll highlight it it'll bring lights and you'll be like and you'll be like you'll, you'll you'll realize it and be able to identify it and say oh my gosh god yeah you're right let's remove that from the equation yeah. let's um uh, you know um that's a form of repentance and, and it could look like all those things or it could highlight to you the truth of a situation that you see poorly and it can bring repentance it can bring godly sorrow it can bring joy it can bring uh faith you know it can um, slice through those things as you inter interact with the word going back to abraham you know he's hanging out with god and, and then bang god's i'm gonna bless you make you great all this stuff and abraham responds and says like kind of like what's the point i don't have any kids so like anything any blessing all the legacy that you've given to me or potential legacy like it's going to go to this dude from damascus one of my servants because you know like my lines stop stops here and um so he has this conversation and the next thing out of god's mouth is no 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 he's this guy's not going to be your your heir um i'm going to give you a son by your wife you know and uh, and um and we see this promise spoken to abraham as he interacts with god i have found that the language of god is promise hmm. i'll let that ride for a second yeah a lot of people say a lot of things like we live in an age of um uh, just buckets of machine guns of information and you know we've got snippet lines like taglines you know like you you get on um any number of, of social media platforms and people will, like drop these lines you know and uh you know do this or do that or they'll drop some quippy line that's like yeah just saying you know and whatever some of them are helpful some of them are not um the problem with that is that you know when you say something like the language of god is promise it can get lost in the like in the plethora of sure. all these things but i think it's uh very serious to understand that that's it's not just a saying it's not just one more thing you add to the list of things you know about god his language is promise can he do other things yeah absolutely but i think one of if not his primary communication language is promise um and i think i have the holy spirit on that uh the reason i say it is when you interact with god you will find that very quickly he begins to interact with you through promise it might sound like i'm going to do this for you i'm going to give that for you uh give that to you or you can even sayings like you can trust me with this i will i'm you're going to be okay uh don't worry i am with you this is these are all the language of promise and i the reason why i feel like i can say it with authority is not only because of my experience but because the correct response to the word of god is faith 
and faith requires a promise. Hmm. Yeah, that's good, man. That's real good. We don't owe God anything. He comes to us. Yeah. Like you can talk about covenants in the Bible and you get really like wrapped up in learning about them. And that's good to know. I think covenants help to understand context. Um, you can get the five major covenants of the Bible and all this sort of stuff. There's teachings out there. Lots of them are very good. I even teach some of them. But um, ultimately, we don't owe God anything. He created us and he owes us nothing. All things come from him. So when we in- interact with him and he begins to promise us things, he make a covenant with us um, per se, in the, especially throughout the Old Testament. Um, he's already made a covenant with us. It's called the New Covenant. Um, or the, uh, you know, it's Jesus. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> Thank <laughs> and, you, uh, Jesus. Yes, I know. Yeah, and and in him, you know, in him it says that all the promises of God are yes in him. Mm. And through him, we make our amen. In other words, through Jesus Christ, who is the fulfillment of all promise and the, and the agent of all uh, the inheritance of his promise, it's found in him. It says we say our amen through him. It's uh, we, we put our faith in him and in him, we're putting faith in the promise of God. He is the promise. And, yeah. But God comes to us and he's like, I'm, walk with me and this is what it's going to look like. Yeah. He doesn't owe us that. He just comes with the language of promise because that's how he functions. He's kind and generous and all things flow from him and no one can come to him and say, you owe me something or uh, I am wise where you should ask me. It all flows from him and we, we, are, we can't do anything but um, receive and believe it's the promise he that's it's who he is it just flows from who he is it's his language thanks for listening the elijah fire podcast is made possible by donations like yours to become a partner visit elijahfire.com slash give even warning requires a response of faith because it's a promise in a manner of speaking it's hey this is going to happen if you trust me and walk with me and either trust me through it or change your behavior so that you don't get the outcome that requires believing the message mm-hmm. it's yeah. the language of promise yeah like a drought you know like in the bible we see hey there's gonna be a drought so you're gonna need to store up xyz yeah yeah and it speaks through our spirit man so when you engage with the father especially if you're new to this whether you're a new believer or just living in a place where you hear from God, not just regularly, but just as a permanent, ongoing reality in your life. If you're new to that, know that his language is promise. And as you read the word, he will begin to speak to your heart and make those promises real to you in real time, where you're just reading the word. And then in the midst of whatever you're reading, he begins to speak to you and say, hey, you know that financial situation that's in front of you? I've got you. I've mm. got you. Or, hey, I'm going to give you a new car, um, which he's done to me twice, by the way, at least twice. I know it wasn't doing anything. Or he'll put something in your heart where you're like, oh, my gosh, I feel like I just should pray for this. I feel like it's just going to happen, but I feel like God is saying I need to pray for it. Well, where did that come from? Well, you're reading the word, but he's speaking to you through it in the lang- language of promise because it's who yeah. it is. He needs to take you into deeper places. He said, hey, why don't you 
it makes your heart hungry because you begin to learn that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Uh, Hebrews yeah. eleven six, And you just know, hey, if I interface with who he is, which is his word, as I interface with him, he speaks to my heart promise. He reminds me of things that are true about me, about my relationship with him, mm-hmm. about how much he loves me. Yeah. I'm still hung up on that faith requires a promise statement for some reason it just like i was like yeah that's that's yeah dude so good he's a genius god hey like how do you how do you make a situation that requires a response from someone but the but it's still grace the only way to do that i'll just say it again how do you create a, a dynamic where you require a response from somebody, but it's still grace, not anything that they've done in their own efforts. The mm. only way to do it is faith. Yeah, man. <laughs> when I come to, if I walk up to Jeff and say, hey, Jeff, uh, this is not true, but if I came up to Jeff and say, hey, man, your life's a wreck, but if you trust me and walk with me, I'll make it a shining light. And it's going to be awesome. And you're going to know the kind of love that you've never experienced before. All I need you to do is trust me. And Jeff hasn't done anything to earn it. It doesn't come out of any strength that he has. It doesn't, it's not a reflection on how smart Jeff is or the resources Jeff has available. All he can do is depend on me, which is faith. Mm. And at the end of the day, Jeff will say, thank you. Yeah. And that's our response too. God comes to us and says, will you believe me? I know that the sin, and if you just turn from that, just just turn to me. Would you walk with me and trust me? And that you know, this is part of that process. Is it's who he is. Mm. Then at the end of the day, all I can say is thank you, Jesus. Because even though I had to respond, it hasn't actually been any. There's been no effort apart uh, apart from just choosing to be dependent on him. Yeah. Language is the promise of God, and it's beautiful. Yeah, well, I'm, I keep, I keep yeah. going back to John three sixteen, right? Which is like one of the most world's most famous verses. But even that presents a promise to us exactly. that all who believe in Him will not perish, but have everlasting life, right? Exactly. And then I think there's a lie that creeps in, Austin, where, um, great, yay! I I said yes to Jesus. I confessed my sins. I'm a new creation in Christ, but I know that the enemy over the years has hit me with this. And I know hundreds of thousands, millions of believers have experienced the same thing where they go, that was it. And then they, the, he saved me and that was it. And the rest of my life is going to be hard. And the rest of my life is going to be, but it goes beyond that. And we have promises, not just of salvation, but God wants us to live life and life abundantly, right? So, and that's not just to say that you, everything's going to be hunky dory all the time. Sometimes you really have to work through some stuff. Um, everybody knows that, you know. Uh, but I do think that there's like it's like promise after promise after promise after yeah. promise times infinity with God, and that's the thing that makes it so exciting to follow Him <sighs> is that we can exercise our faith at all the time, you know, yep. and. Um, it's always interesting, man, to see 
how faith often feels like a muscle. I'm sure there's like tons of different conversations we can have just about <laughs> faith alone, right? But it does, I mean, if I d- trust God with a little thing and then you're like, you know, and then everybody's had this experience or a lot of people have where you go, whoa, if God could do it with that, he can do it with this. Whoa, if God can do it with that, like he can do this. And then it's exactly. contagious. Yeah. if you're in community, right? If you're in community, then all of a sudden it's like, well, if God could do that for so-and-so, then he could do that for me. Yes. You know? And then it's like, that's the fun part about all of this, you know, it's just, I love it. So fun. So good, Jeff. That, that's yeah. the that's the beauty of walking with God. If you understand yeah. his language, it's promise. Yeah. Faith becomes this beautiful journey. Language is promise. Yeah, man, that's and, good. Uh, I love you. What you said about community, you know, uh, community does a whole bunch of things, but two of the things that I, that I'd love to highlight about communities, one, when your faith is feeling challenged or weak or failing or whatever language you want to wrap around that, when you're in community, others can say, no, we, you know, they can encourage you. They can share testimonies. They can lift you up. Uh, and so what would be a hard time actually becomes a place of victory where you see God come through and you're lifted up by the people around you. Mm-hmm. And then you can do it for them. Yep. The other thing is, like you said, uh, a testimony spreads like wildfire. And it's like, if God can do it for you, you can do it for me. Mm-hmm. And that I grew up in a beautiful environment of faith uh, in terms of the body of Christ. You know, I got saved at 19 or 18 and a half sort of thing. And, um, and immediately into this community and God gave me a vision of um, this orchard. And, um, uh, and, and in this orchard, like every time uh, an orange tree, you know, it's, it's got all these oranges on it. And then, the, you know, a few of them would fall to the ground and the seeds would spread. And as soon as the seeds spread, there were more trees and more trees into the point where all the trees are dropping fruit and seed everywhere. And it just keeps multiplying. And that's what faith's like. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the, I love it, you know, and uh, your step of faith where you step out and initiate the word of God. Um, one of the easiest ones, because it's very uh, measurable, is finances. Not only when you believe God for finances and he comes through and you tell people, but when you give to others and become a testimony for them, then it unlocks a seed in them where it becomes a testimony of faith for them. And then your stepping out has actually created a seed hmm. of testimony that spreads and it increases and then more people give. And, um, and you get a multiplication. And you can apply that virtually to any faith um, model uh, or, or excuse me, any faith context that God makes available. Um, we talked about meta narrative two weeks ago. Faith is uh, making some really bold, absolute statements. Faith is a meta narrative of scriptures. Uh, yeah. Read yeah. Hebrews 11. It's not just a list of people that had faith, it's a commentary on the Old Testament. Because he starts by saying, since we're surrounded by so great a crowd of witnesses. Yeah, you're right. Uh-huh. He's not just saying, hey, there's a bunch of people up in heaven who've, um, who are cheering us on, although I, I'm pretty sure that's probably true. His point is, hey, read the scriptures. Look at all the people who trusted God and the outcome yeah. of their faith. That's the, the cheering squad of your faith. Hey, they believed and they saw the outcome of their faith, and you can too. So when you read, you know, through the Old Testament, you're not like, oh, why did God tell them to do this and do that? And read it and realize, hey, look at the people that trusted God. You know, Assyrians come to Hezekiah's door 
and they're like, hey, we're going to tear the place down and kill you all and no one else has got to help them and all this sort of stuff. And he runs to Isaiah the prophet and he runs to the, to the house of God and tears his clothes and fasts and prays and, uh, and he stands before the Lord. That's faith. He's like, I'm not going to sell out to the Assyrians. I'm trusting you. And you see the outcome of his faith. Yeah. That's the meta narrative of the scriptures. And ultimately, it has its culmination in Jesus Christ. Yeah. Uh, so he's inviting you into that space, you know, uh, read it and, and see it. You know, uh, the Torah, uh, the, the, the law isn't just referring to the, the rules of the old covenant, um, which, by the way, are a definition of sin in terms of moral, moral laws. So don't feel like that that's sort of dropped out of. Um, of the reality of the new covenant. It's just that the Holy Spirit now produces that righteousness in us rather than us trying to achieve it from a list of rules. Um, but when you read it, it's not just that. It's the whole narrative of the first five books of the Bible. It's Abraham. You know, it's Abel trusting God. It's um, uh, 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 Joseph. It's um, multiple uh, uh, different you know leaders. It's, it's Joshua oh, kind of. It's not quite Joshua yet because that's the book of Joshua. Um, but it's Moses trusting God. It's the Exodus. It's the Passover. These, these are, they, they trusted God and they were spared from destruction. They trusted God and they received the promise. Yeah. They trusted God and they defeated uh, their enemies. They trusted, they trusted, they trusted, they trusted. They trusted God and were persecuted for it but came through. They, you know, they trusted God. And uh, in the case of Enoch, you know, it says he walked with God and he was no more because God found his faith pleasing it's i don't know i'm sort of uh, paraphrasing that but it's just, it's 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 faith yeah come on man and you can see, you just see it as you go i just feel like um someone needs to hear this that um you know we we're talking about promise being the language of god right and uh and faith needs a promise and you want to talk about, you know, I see a lot of people, faith in humanity restored when they say something and or they see something or whatever, or they, that, that's actually not a good example. A good example would be um, someone saying an absolute statement like people don't care about each other. You want to watch something. You want to talk about seeing life sprout up in the desert when people have condemned the land by saying something like that start giving to people start being kind to people yeah be that person that goes god said this so i'm gonna do it and he's gonna meet my needs and i'm just gonna be a generous giver i'm gonna do this or i'm gonna do that or i'm gonna go out and i'm just gonna love people i'm gonna give people sandwiches you know or i'm gonna whatever yep. watch life bro grow out of a condemned land where people look at it and they say there's nothing that's ever to grow there and you go watch my god it says otherwise you know, obviously i'm speaking metaphorically here, but um yeah actually not i mean god could god could do that too the could, transformation video is from the 80s yeah know, south america i'm trying to what country it was yeah exactly. it's the land itself field. Yeah. yeah so but you know i i just think that the word is so powerful you know and yeah, I just I feel like I needed to say that. So, uh, I'd love to move on to another thought just uh, about intimacy on the Word yeah. of God. Uh, I talked a couple weeks ago, and a few times I've mentioned this on the show that revelation 
uh, sort of knowing God, really knowing God and knowing truth doesn't just come through your head. It actually comes through your spirit, man. Uh, there's different words I could throw around like, uh, you know, ruach, which is the Hebrew word, and uh, pneuma, which is the, uh, the Greek word. And they both mean breath or, or wind. They're both the word for spirit. Um, when uh, So going back to Genesis, when Pharaoh had uh, his dreams or his dreams, so uh, with, with Joseph in prison, and uh, Pharaoh had these these two dreams. You know, he sees the um, the uh, seven um, uh, uh, cows, and then then there's a, a a gaunt cow that eats them all up, and then he sees the um, the seven sheaves of, of of wheat, and then a, an east wind comes and withers them all, and he wakes up, and it says he was disturbed in his spirit. Now you remember this is a heathen king, uh, doesn't know the the Lord, um, the who the Lord of heaven and earth, um, Yahweh, that that uh, that Joseph served, the God of the Hebrews, um, as he may or may not have referred to them as or known him as, and he has this dream, and he seems to have this awareness that there is a overall God in heaven. There is. But it's, it makes this, this, this statement, he, he makes, it makes a statement of him, he was disturbed in his spirit. Now, if you look at the words that are used there, it says that he was disturbed. It, means to, it actually means to wake somebody violently by beating them with a stick. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, it's intense, hey? Like yeah. <laughs> when he says disturbed in his spirit, like it really rattled him hard. And then... It says in his spirit, it says Ruach. It's the seat of revelation. It's the place where we relate to God. Ephesians says we've been made one spirit with the Lord. So in the place where his conscience is, in the place where he was designed to connect with God, the, 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 that very seat of his being where he's made to relate with the Father, place of revelation in that space, Pharaoh was utterly rattled and disturbed. To the point where he's making a big deal out of it. He's pulled everybody in. He's pulled these wise men. He's like, I'm freaked out. I need you to tell me what this dream is. And uh, to the point where he humbles himself enough to pull a Hebrew slave out of prison to, uh, to, to potentially interpret this dream. The, what he needed in that space to unrattle him was a revelation from heaven. And if you look at the words that are used to describe his dream, you know, it says that there's these plump cows and, you know, many um, of the uh, ancient Near East cultures and even many um, cultures today, fatness, plumpness is a sign of wealth, it's a sign of prosperity, it's a sign of blessing, it's a sign of good. Yeah. And um, so in his dream, you got to understand the language that's being used around them. It, it relates to those things. These are prosperous. This is blessing from the gods. This is good. It's a, if you can um, allow me this word, it's a good omen. Mm-hmm. Right? So, so that's, that's all great. But then when you see a skinny cow, this is bad news in the spirit. Yeah. And they knew it. And the word that describes it for gaunt is actually the word evil. It was an evil cow. Interesting. And we're not talking morally evil per se. We're talking it's for ill. It's an evil omen. It's for your bad. Yeah. And the ancient Near East understood that language. They understand the language of omens that, hey, this is for my calamity. 
So he was shaken in his spirit. Um, and the same with the with the um, uh, the the sheaves of wheat. It said an, an east wind came and withered them. There's a, a connotation that the wind was coming from a place of evil. Um, it's almost like Lord of the Rings, um, you know, where the west represented good and the east represented evil. I know that doesn't obviously relate to um, planet Earth or its cultures in any any meaningful way, right? But but there's this metaphorical connotation to to that, and that was the case in this in this dream as well. So understand, this isn't just like a picture of timelines, and um, you know, seven years this, and then you know, we got a problem, um, a famine. This is he's seen something evil in his spirit, something that's coming for his calamity, and he's freaked out. He's shaken in the, the very place of revelation. He's the very depth of his being in the spirit and his ruach. That's where he's shaken. And when Joseph comes with an interpretation, uh, he comes with a word from heaven that that brings the redemption, it brings the plan of God for the situation. It results in the saving of many lives. That's that's where prophecy happens. This is where we hear from God. Yeah. And when you read the word, it's that's the place of revelation. That's where we re, that's where we hear, that's where we relate with God. It's not some ooky spooky thing. It is very much a part of your being. It affects your soul and your thoughts uh, and can rule over them in a manner of speaking, uh, which is why as we live in fellowship with the Father who with whom we are one spirit with him, we'll no, you'll notice that as you spend time with him in his word and with him in worship and in conversation and prayer, you're different. You just walk differently. Things don't rattle you. Um, you're full of faith. Those, yep. those situations, especially ones that are close to you that can trigger you, they don't. You're bigger than them. You're able to speak the word of God and prophetic utterance into those situations because you're connected with the one through your spirit, man, who's walking with you. Mm. And then that plat seed of revelation. That's why is it important? Because intimacy and the word go hand in hand. They're mm. one. When you read this, I heard Jesus actually said this to me once. You, when you read this, you, it's, it's me. You, you you're reading me. You, you. It's me. You're with me. Mm. Like go, go beyond the apologetics and the, the word. Of, you know the the scriptures are reliable and all that sort of stuff. Okay, if we've got the tick on that box, and we need to move into the realm where it, this is real and it is real and it's available. And as you do it, there's no secret formula. You just read it and you ask him questions and you sit with him and you pray and you're honest with him. He will interact because you're turning. You're not just turning the pages of the book. You're turning on the computer of the whole um, spiritual internet, as it were. i got a friend that calls it the Numaverse. The Numaverse? Yeah. I mean, we got the Metaverse. Uh-huh. Um, good, good on you. Um, but uh, uh, we, sorry for the cynicism there. It's just start as the word meta. It's been probably pulled from the idea of um, uh, uh, metaphysics, which is what you talked about after physics, which is talking about the very nature of reality and stuff. The metaverse is definitely not that. Um, it's just an imaginary realm of information yeah. uh, and communication. But um, but the numiverse, it's the re- realm of the spirit, which is actually way more real than the natural, and the natural will bend and bow and change to it. Uh, and you enter that realm with him and you talk with him. It's intimacy. You, it's uh, I use this word that the Holy Spirit gave me. It's called uh, revelationship. Yeah, I saw that in the notes. I love it. <laughs> so 
God gave me this uh, picture of a very young Christian, actually, very new to the word and very new to, to walking with him. And he gave me this vision uh, of a tree and um, you could see the tree above and beneath the soil. I think I've shared this before on, on Elijah Fire. Um, and the, the tree, the, the trunk was, was me and my relationship with the Father, but the roots were that, were that first-hand revelation of who he is and my, re- my actual relationship with him. And, and walking with him and knowing who he is and knowing firsthand revelation from him and his word. And then the, the branches and the leaves were my, my, what I was willing to live my life on, um, my actions and deeds and, and the convictions that I was willing to, to put weight on and, uh, and the doctrines and the beliefs that I was willing to put weight on. And he said to me, if, if the, if the, the values, the doctrines, the beliefs that I'm willing to build my life on, if they ever outgrow the root system of my revelationship, the, the, the real firsthand revelation that I have with the Father and his word, where I know that I know him and I know that I know revelation from what his word says and means for, and it's true and it's founded and established in my life. If I build those things beyond that, then when the wind of testing comes, the tree has runs the risk of being pulled over yep. and damaging the root Man. system. And yeah. we're seeing that. We're seeing people getting tested right now where they have mm-hmm. no root system yeah. of relationship. I'm going to speak prophetically for a second in terms of um, the apostolic season that we're in as a body of Christ. God is dealing with and eliminating um, I'll just put my own words to it because I'm not sure. I, I call it spiritual codependency. And what I mean is this, where we, um, well, I, use, I mean the, the royal we uh, as a concept, if we're building our lives based on what leaders say and what the church, church structures are teaching us alone, then when those things fall down, we're going to be in big trouble because Come we've on. made ourselves spiritually codependent on the approval yep. of church cultures, on the approval oh, yeah. of leaders, on the direction of leaders, um, on on uh, various doctrinal um, waves and winds, which uh, Ephesians says that Christ is shepherding us into a place of maturity where we're not blown about by every wind of doctrine. When we have our own relationship with Him, and it's God, of, it's it's this and His Spirit together when we build that in our own lives and when we have promises that he's spoken to us through his word personally and we live them and walk them out and see them established, when stuff around us blows and is tested, we're like, I know in whom I've believed Hmm. and I know that he's faithful. Come on. And when I have a question, I know where I can run. Yes, get wisdom, get counsel. Yes, yes, have community. Please do that. Please do that. Don't be a lone wolf. But at the end of the day, you're gonna have to hear from him. Yeah. And if you're rooted and grounded in this and in relationship with him, and you have a well-worn path of being able to hear his voice by yourself with his word and have it and have it established in you and you know him, then you're able to run to him and go, you know what, Lord, I'm not sure what to think about this. But would you help me? Would you show me? Show me from your word, show me very spirit. <sighs> yeah, man. Yeah. And I have a friend who we were talking, a good friend of mine, she, we were talking about this one time and uh, she's really prophetic. She's had people come to her for words and she's 
her first reaction is, uh, or her first response is always, what has God been saying to you? Like, because it's not them saying, Hey, I'm looking at this or looking at that. It's, it's people not seeking God for themselves and relying on someone else's ability to hear God, to, to communicate to them. And it is so much better cost in, I know you would agree with this. Look, I've received prophetic words that have come out of nowhere and they really resonate with my spirit. Right. But that's not my pursuit. My pursuit is I want to hear from God. Yeah. I, I want to spend time with him and he will speak to you. And it is so much better. And in my opinion, way more awesome to have someone random, some rando person to get a prophetic word that they said verbatim, something that God has been speaking to me. Yes. That's come on. way cooler, man. Oh. Yes. It's way cooler. Are you kidding? Like it, because it's like, it's a confirmation that you're hearing from God, you know, and it's, it's him confirming it. And someone else is so Absolutely. much cooler. It's way yeah. cooler. Absolutely. Yeah. And that, that's the way it should be where you should, even in, even if you haven't heard, I love that. And that, that can be more common than many people think. Man, did I live our lives like that? We, we want to hear from him. We're being led by him. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously we all see in part, we hear in part. So um, there isn't like some massive expectation to be the Superman of prophecy where you're like, you hear it all. And then you get a word. You're like, yeah, I know. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but, but, um, but even if you have, haven't heard it verbatim, which, which I have done, I know you have too, Jeff, and it's mm-hmm. so good. And God loves that at stuff because he's able to say, cause it's faith, right? It's the language of promise. He's like, Hey, remember when I spoke to you last week? And then I just got such and such to give you that word. Boom. You trusted me and I confirm my word mm-hmm. because that's the way we roll. Thanks, Jeff. I love you. You know, like that's that's the way he he loves to function. Yeah. My righteous shall live by faith. And um, but man, even if you haven't heard that, um, if you're seeking him, you'll have things in your spirit already that are kind of birthing and, and, and brewing. And then somebody will come along and they'll put language to what's already in your spirit. And you'll be like, yep, that's that's what God's been saying to me. Thank you. Bang. Yes. Um, it's not only true of prophecy, but it's also true of doctrine. I watched the grace revelation and I was a huge part of preaching that into, especially in the United States, actually, um, into cultures where I'm like, hey, let's bring us out of religion, out of self-works, into a place of knowing God by his grace, yeah. knowing there's no condemnation, knowing that we're not trying to strive by um by sort of legalism, religion, but actually living in his grace. Mm-hmm. And from that place, there's life and promise and yeah, walk by faith. I watched that grow and prosper and become household doctrine. And then I watched for those that had heard the doctrine and the teaching, but not had firsthand revelation and our own relationship with the father. Yeah, I watched some of those people slide off the cliff of licentiousness um, you can call it hyper grace if you want to, or that, that it's a bit of a trigger word for some people. Um, um, but, but basically license to sin, like they slid off this cliff. Yep. And um, yeah, they take all things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial. And they go, all things are permissible. You got it. Uh, Bye. You know, even though it's yeah, talking I, about food sacrifice. To right. Idols. Right. Um, right. But, but uh, yeah, yeah. And, and just, just stuff because they have no idea what the word says and they've got no idea that what God's heart is or who he is when you see him and you know him and you know that he's holy and you, re- you can read simple scriptures um, like uh, 1 John 1, in him there's no uh, unrighteousness. 
and if you walk in the light as he is in the light you know we have fellowship with one another and the and the blood of jesus cleanses us from all sin that um in him you know we know that he is light and in him there's no darkness it's, you know that he's holy you read one john three and it's um you know uh, we know that whoever is righteous walks in righteousness help elijah fire continue to make an impact around the world all donations go toward making elijah fire and the elijah fire podcast possible visit elijahfire.com slash give and become a partner today um he who says that he doesn't you know is a liar um just knowing these simple scriptures but knowing the father knowing for yourself searching for yourself not just listening to lots of great teaching and there is great teaching out there but also some um, really off deceptive misinformed teaching out there and just being carried away by the wind of doctrine because you didn't listen to the holy spirit and listen to his word which of the two are one you need to do them together um and whereas i watched the people that that did have the first hand revelation of god embrace and grow in the revelation of his grace and then follow on as they continue to grow in the grace of god the very next step is understanding that you're actually set free from sin and you're a new creation but if you stop listening to the holy spirit stop listening to him stop having that intimacy with him that first hand revelation in your spirit man where you relate to the father and you're walking in his word with him yeah um it's just in proverbs that uh, he who stops us into counsel will depart from the words of wisdom if you stop listening to him stop learning from him stop abiding in him you'll come unstuck hmm. um so the best way to read scripture is being in relationship with the lord right yeah. costin yeah yeah and the best way to interpret scripture is through scripture um after the show last fortnight um or last two weeks ago for those that don't know what fortnight means i use that word in America. i was gonna say ooh, you use the uh fortnight right million dollar word right there um I, i've noticed about 50 percent of my american friends know what a fortnight is and about 50 percent of them um don't know what a fortnight is but anyway it's a video game yeah they think it's a video game yeah <laughs> um but illumination was talking uh, saying uh, she pulled out uh, grasping god's word uh, which i have in front of me here um i was using that as a textbook for um a bible interpretation class um for the last couple of years and they've got this whole scriptural interpretation process um five steps of, of uh, scriptural interpretation i know illumination is probably smiling right now she listen to this but one of them is to consult <laughs> consult the biblical map and that's their language for um duval and hayes's language for does what you're hearing line up with the rest of scripture um, and that's just a really safe way to function where you just you live in this thing and you let it teach you and you let it guide you and you say, hey, like I'm feeling something or I've got questions about a certain idea or a certain thing. Or rather than just jumping on a, you know, a train of it, what does the rest of Scripture say? Does it, does, it, does it flow? Does it gel with who God is in the rest of Scripture? Does it gel with what specifically the Word of God says in the rest of Scripture? That's a good thing to check. And that goes with, you know, you, you're living in the word. You're living in relationship with the father. Yeah. He'll guide you. He's amazing. I, sometimes my quiet times look like I read a tiny bit of scripture, like one sentence or something. And then all of a sudden I'm on this hyperlink journey where the Lord's like, hey, <clears throat> you know, um, turn to um, Micah, you know, read this. And so I read that and he's like, oh, and then the, then the thoughts and the, the revelation and the, the conversation with the Holy Spirit starts flowing. And he's like, you know how it says this well 
It also says this because that's a promise from God because that's the you know nature of faith or something like that. And when the conversation flows, the next thing you know, I've read you know tons of, of verses and chapters because he's journeyed me around the Bible, um, and or journeyed me around his Word. And we need to live in that space where we live like that. Mm-hmm. And there's more, you know. There's like the more you read the Word, I used to get so frustrated because I'd see people and they'd be able to like do that hyperlinked journey like you're talking about where it's like one thing leads to another leads to another and look i've had great times where i've legit heard i in spite of my lack of knowledge of scripture the lord was like all right now i want you to turn to ezekiel chapter or whatever verse something and i you know at first i was like this is me and there's been some times where it has been you know the old uh, you know open the bible and stick your finger in there uh, yeah, okay, yeah. God, just, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah which i mean which is crazy because god has used that with people before you More know but, legit than most people reckon actually. Yeah. yeah but you know um there have been really cool times where i you know god has you know bypassed my lack of knowledge of scripture and been like now turn to this psalm okay now turn to this verse and they've legit connected and i'm like boom boom Whoa! boom oh you know but it's i more often than not i'm finding that the lord actually utilizes my knowledge of scripture and then he's like okay now and then he'll highlight the verse to me and then i and because i've and honestly too i'm one of those people that like i highlight certain things i write notes i've got arrows drawing where i can see like god has established a certain connection with me so then it's like i can go into this and it's almost like a roadmap of my experiences with god and then he's like he can help me re- recall and also journal and all that stuff um not as much as i used to and i actually need to get back into that but um you know so it's like that's why it's so important to read the word that's why it's so important to get into it and just allow the 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 word to transform us and and it's just like eventually it's like you eat that that's the nourishment that you want that that's it right. becomes that in, in greater 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 levels when you start to say no to certain things and yes to this you know um you know so and you'll get a like you said you end up with mileage like you actually like any relationship over time you have so many things you can refer back to hey remember when and then yeah that's a you, great point god takes you on that hyperlink journey and you're like oh yeah we had this conversation i know you know uh, for me um book of galatians book of romans um along with some other things you know uh and 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 i know that road well with him and so he's able to go hey you know how i taught you this well bang like let's talk about this today yeah um i want to just flick through a couple more things jeff that's all right sure um in terms of intimacy um back on my comment about watching some people slide off some pretty horrific doctrinal cliffs in the last few years I've, you know, thankfully the number of friends that I saw slide, some, many of them have come back around now, but there were a few people that really were passionate for the Lord and then got offended by certain things or got into a bit of a, a, a nut with certain things. And then, um, I think in one in particular, and he went off into, um, universalism where it's like, yeah, yeah. everyone's saved. You're all going to be in and all this stuff. And I was like, how on earth did you get there? Cause he was so strong so passionate but also strong it wasn't just like some young believer that was like i want to get everyone saved and then gets pounded um because he didn't have any community and no knowledge of the word um uh but but actually someone that was solid and grounded and, and a few other people as well and, and i'm sure some of you are thinking of some you know maybe even some quote-unquote major christian leaders across the world that have just come out with some really stupid stuff and have or have walked away or quote-unquote deconstructed or have fallen into horrific sin 
and been unrepentant because it's one thing to sin, but it's another thing to be unrepentant. Yeah. Um, and you're like, what on earth? And so I asked the Lord a very honest question. I said, hey, if someone like them, and I was thinking of specifically that friend of mine that went into universalism, I, I, if they can, if they can fall, like what's stopping me from falling? Now, I know when I say something like some people would be like, oh, fear. But I, I, I felt that actually as well at the time. But I also knew that God doesn't work like that. Like God hasn't set us up for a fall. It's not that it's simple to just pull somebody's world down. The enemy just doesn't have that much power or authority. So I asked him, I said, like, show me what the difference is. Like, what, what's the difference between where I am at and, and, and where they are at? And how do I stay in that healthy place? Hmm. How do I not fall when other really strong people I know have fallen? And he just said this line. You know my word and stay in love with Jesus. Now, I know for some of you, um, when he said to me, he said to me personally, you know my word. In Contained in that was a continue to know my word and stay in it and don't yes. sell out the truth that you already know. But for some of you, I, I would suggest the Lord would say, know my word, live in it, like um, stay in it. Know my word and yeah. stay in love with Jesus. Uh, I got asked in a job interview um, recently, if you could describe yourself in one word, what would it be? And I said, appreciative. Hmm. Now, you know, from like the sick.com, blah, blah, blah. That was like one of those boom, mic drop moments, whatever. Appreciate um, Mm. <laughs> you're welcome yeah you can hire me now you can hire yeah. me now yeah just speak jobs and jobs over there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. um jokes aside amen to that for you be, be blessed but um but i wasn't trying to mic drop and i wasn't trying to be a smart aleck i just said i actually said to the lord even though they weren't believers um i said you just just tell me tell no don't tell me help me navigate this thought because um uh, I'm actually very good at, at these kind of conversations, but I um, that particular question I just um, wasn't wasn't ready for. And um, I just thought about it. I was like, you know what? Appreciative. Um, there's so many thoughts in my head right now that I could share on that. I can see the wheels turning, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, boiling them down to one. Um, the simplicity of the gospel, you were utterly lost in utter darkness. And he found you and he saved you with his blood. You set your eyes on that and worship him and stay in his presence. The joy of sonship and the appreciativeness of that. Hey, you owe, God owed you nothing, but he has utterly loved you and redeemed you and, and continues to love you. You can stay in that space. Seek his face, just stay in his presence. It's actually not, you don't have to construct those thoughts. You just stay in his presence, stay in his word. And he will be the plumb line of your heart. And worship if you have to. Shut, turn everything off after this broadcast. Um, and uh, and just go and worship him. And uh, just stay in his presence. And then say, I, I long for your commandments. I long for your word. Would you teach me? I, I can't live without you. I can't live without your word. I, I, I can't even breathe. I can't. And it's not, this isn't just nice ideas. I mean it from my heart. Like I can't, even spiritually, I can't breathe without you, God. Mm. I pray, thank you. 
for saving me. Thank you that you will never leave me. You'll never forsake me. You love me utterly and I didn't deserve it. And now I get the joy of walking in righteousness with you and the, the, the satisfaction of sonship, as a friend of mine calls it, the joy of it, the, the, the joy of being in revelationship with the one who loves me and created me, from whom all things come. Stay in that place. Stay in love with him. Because you watch, you listen to the voice and the spirit that comes out of these people that are deconstructing their faith or that are attacking the church or attacking the scriptures. I don't appreciate anything. They're angry and lost. They need our mercy. That doesn't mean we have to be nice about some of the ideas. I'm quite happy to attack them as the Holy Spirit leads me. Mm -hmm. Not for the sake of attacking the idea of being right, but for their own sake. For the sake of truth. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and for their own sakes and for your sakes um, so that you don't have to know that these ideas go un, um, unchallenged. But you listen to their voices, they're angry and they're lost and they don't understand because they've left the simplicity of the gospel. It's one of Satan's primary tricks and Paul talks about it, that in the cunningness of the enemy, he has taken you away from the simplicity of a sincere faith and devotion to Jesus Christ because I wanted to present you as a chaste virgin with one heart towards Jesus, which is our job, by the way, as ministers, um, to present you whole and blameless before the Lord. Um, so know my word, or if you already know my word, then you know my word. You know what I've said and you know how to live in it. Stay in love with me. Stay in love with Jesus. Do those two things. I think you'll do well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Oh, well, I was just going to say, um, I keep seeing um, two, you know, there's the, the legalism, the dogmatic really like, um, and that's really an effort to, well, I'll say the other side. So there's that side. And then there's also progressive Christianity, which we've talked about a lot as well. Um, and both of them, the thing they have in common is it's an attempt for us in our own minds to try and be more holy. Um, you know, where it's like, if I'm dogmatic, then I'm holding everybody accountable. You know, if I'm legalistic, I'm holding everybody accountable. And then on the other side, it's the reaction to that with pro progressive theology, which is, well, that was ruining everything. So we're going to be loosey goosey. And our, our desire, we just want to love people. We just want to love people. We love Jesus. We want to love people. And I've, I know what that feels like. You know, I've been open with people about, you know, flirting with with uh, progressive theology. Uh, you know, uh, it wasn't a super long period of my life. It was probably a couple of weeks, maybe a couple of months. I don't know. Uh, but just um, asking the question honestly with the Lord, probably. What's that? Probably just asking the Lord honest questions like, hey, is this for real or do I need to move away from yeah, this? Yeah, 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 yeah. And, uh, but it, ultimately what it was is it was my my brain's attempt to try and translate things on my own yeah and you know that's why you see so many people um you know who you know these thought christian thought leaders who are progressive and then uh, you know some of them are even agnostic now and an atheist the fruit now. Of it? what's that you see the fruit of it right yeah exactly and it is that is a testament to the true or that the true origin or uh, or what's behind it is, it is the mind's attempt to try and just like theology or uh, you know um 
legalism is being legalistic with the scriptures you hear them say the same thing when they actually have that revelation of jesus and that transformation that takes place as a result of it both of them say the same thing but they're from different sides of the pendulum um so devoid of the spirit you can't understand yeah that's why it's so important like you were saying that revelation ship that revelation comes as a result of that relationship that relationship yields greater revelation right right. so that's right all true truth is him Mm. he said i am the truth it's not something you just understand with your brain um smith wigglesworth said some people um read the word in greek and some people read it in hebrew but i read it in the holy spirit (laughs) now by all means Learn Greek or Hebrew, that's great. And use Blue Letter Bible and all those sort of resources. They're fantastic. Do it. Do it. Understand. Understand context. Read whole epistles and understand that their letters not just chunked up theology. Um, but read them in the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just going to read 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Uh, I'm going to read it from the NASB. I'm going to read it from the J.B. Phillips translation, which I really love. It's a paraphrase sort of modern English translation that uh, Corey Ten Boom actually read. Um, that's uh, Second First Corinthians two verses six through twelve. It says, um, "Yet we do speak wisdom among those who are mature, a wisdom, however, not of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are passing away. But we speak God's wisdom in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory, the wisdom which none of the rulers of this age had understood. For if they had understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory, just as it is written." Things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard, and which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. And it says this, for to us, God revealed them through the spirit. For the spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God, no one knows except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but those taught by the spirit, comparing spiritual with spiritual. You can't, you can't get it with your brain. You're not going to figure it out. Progressive theology is a misnomer. Um, if you're already at the top of the tower of truth, then any direction you head from there is down. So it's not mm. progressing, it's regressing. Um, <laughs> Come on. Um, and we've been around this mountain before in history. It's not new. I'm just going to read this from the J.B. Phillips translation, um, just from uh, chapter uh, verse 10. It says, um, Thus God has, through the Spirit, let us share his secret. For nothing is hidden from the Spirit, not even the deep wisdom of God. For who could really understand a man's inmost thoughts except the spirit of the man himself? How much less would anyone understand the thoughts of God except the very spirit of God? We have now received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit of God himself, so that we can understand something of God's generosity towards us. It is these things we talk about, not using the expressions of human intellect, but those of which the Holy Spirit teaches us explaining spiritual things to those who are spiritual. It's the Holy Spirit that brings truth to your heart and gives understanding of the scriptures. Grab context, be in community, study, please do all that. But at the end of the day, you're going to need the Holy Spirit. 
it's why people get so like unstuck in that weird seesaw of um quote unquote progressive theology i always call it liberalism yeah um, liberalism on the one hand or licentiousness is what the bible calls it um and uh or license to sin so on the one hand it's license to sin on the other hand there's this legalism and neither of them are correct right. there's a higher truth which is the holy spirit and when you live by the spirit you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh mm-hmm. it's neither legalism nor license to sin it's a new creation mm-hmm. it's a holiness that transcends even the requirements of the law um and it comes through relationship with the father and um, being set free uh when you live like that the word actually becomes your story and it becomes your life and when you read the epistles of paul and how he relates truth in the way that he ministers it becomes your it becomes your life you can relate you're like oh yeah just like i'm reading second corinthians at the moment over and over again and there's this whole theme through it of paul like explaining hey if you think that I say anything to you to defend myself and my ministry, you've kind of missed it because I live for Christ and I live for your good in Christ Jesus. So everything I tell you and everything I do, it's for your benefit. And selflessness is a mystery to the flesh. It doesn't understand it. It it catches the flesh off guard because it just can't think and conceive um, that someone would act in that way because it's outside the economy, even of justice, um, because justice is about fair and equity, whereas um, a life of the spirit is one is one where absolutely for the other person, even when it's not fair, that's produced by the Holy Spirit. It doesn't make sense to the carnal mind. And so when you live that and you put your life on the altar a few times, and then you go back and you read Second Corinthians, you're like, yeah, that's how we live now. Hmm. And I don't care that you slander me or you whatever. I love you. I'm, I want to see your good. I'm not here to defend myself because you're already dead. You don't care anymore. You're actually just living for Jesus and living for his people, his bride, mm. which is a reality that quote unquote progressive Christianity doesn't understand. Um, it's too busy complaining about its rights. Um, and it's a reality that in some extent the religious don't, or the, 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 the uh, legalistic to understand because they're either striving for their own righteousness um, or defending themselves um, because they feel condemned. And I've been there. I understand what it feels yep. like and the mm-hmm. thought processes that go with it uh, or argumentation and all this, this stuff. But actually the heart behind it isn't necessarily serve anyone. That's, that's produced by the Holy Spirit. But when you walk by faith, the patriarchs and the people of faith, they become your story and you read it and you're like, yeah, Hezekiah trusted God. Obviously, I like Hezekiah an easy example you're gonna army of 50 150,000 people at your door and you're like what the heck but you're gonna <laughs> trust god yeah. and um and then it all turns around it's a great example of faith in the old testament that's all there it's all through it and um and it becomes your story you're like man i had an impossible situation come to my door and i trusted in the lord he showed himself faithful um and it becomes your story because they are your family they are your patriarchs they are your heritage of faith they are the your forefathers that is your lineage in the spirit yeah we've been grafted in that's exactly right yep like it talks exactly about right. um 
One last thing I'd love to talk about, if that's all right, Jeff. Yeah, well, and just really quick, I wanted to add to that. So earlier when we were talking about the value of community, and this isn't an excuse to not be in community, but the same effects that can be found in the Bible, like you're mentioning Hezekiah. We're like, hey, man, if Hezekiah could could trust God, you know, he's got, you know, thousands outside his door. Uh, I can trust God with this, you know, so we do that with people and the figures within the Bible too, but the same can apply to us being in community as well. Yes. So it's the same thing, but yeah. that's a great way to lead actually. Um, probably chat for another time, but yes, pulling people in to a place of faith as a community is really powerful, especially if you can humble yourself as a leader and not be the, just be the figurehead all the time, but actually say, Hey, we're in this together as a family. Um, I want to talk about this word plumb line. Uh, Mandy mentioned last week that I would talk about it. Yeah. Uh, one of the beautiful things about a strong, healthy church community is healthy culture. It's also one of the most dangerous things um, because what can happen is if you don't have, um, and you should have healthy community cultures in the church. So don't, don't hear what I'm not saying. That's a great thing. But, but when there's a strong culture, whether it's healthy, partially healthy or unhealthy, um, you can become dependent on the culture for your um, identity, for your um, direction. And you, and you can become dependent on the culture for your relationship with God, no matter of speaking, and your, your convictions. And, um, and even it can become the benchmark for what it looks, what it, what it means to what it looks like to actually follow Jesus. So instead of comparing it with what the word of God says and also like being led by God personally through his word, you begin to, and I've done this subtly and I've also done it blatantly by accident. Um, uh, but, uh, but where you begin to compare yourself with the culture around you in your church and you go, Oh yeah. Following Jesus looks like this. And you get a picture mm-hmm. and it's like, yeah, I'm doing okay because you know, I'm, I don't know, I'm tithing or I'm, um, or, uh, you know, I can, I can, I can explain this or, um, feed the poor. Um, yeah. Yeah. Or bought into this doctrine. Everybody's talking about this doctrine right now. And I, I'm, I'm on, I'm on board with that. I mean, and, and that, that might be great or it might be bad, but, um, but what happens is the culture becomes the plumb line hmm. rather than the word of God and your relationship with him. And so over time, what will happen is you'll burn out because you will end up with a cognitive dissonance. So cognitive dissonance is, You've got conflicting thoughts and beliefs um, in your heart and mind. I know that we call it cognitive dissonance. It's referring to the mind, but we we know that we're actually more replete trying beings and that it's in our heart as well and in our spirit, man. And that'll be raging against some of the way you're living, even if it's not blatant sin, even if it's just like um, you're conforming to a culture, good, even a good culture, rather than, hey, Holy Spirit's saying, hey, I really feel like you need to do this. And so you're like, hey, I'm going to volunteer for 50 things at church because that's what we do here. But the Holy Spirit might be saying, spend more time with your family. Mm. Or it might be saying, focus on this one thing. But then the church culture becomes your plumb line. Yeah. And uh, eventually there'll be a dissonance inside of you where you're like, hey, there's something wrong. I don't feel whole. I don't feel. And um, what will happen is if you don't have... Um, a word anchored in your life, the culture will begin to gaslight you. And what I mean is this: gaslighting is where I use an interpersonal example, where a strong personality um, that you're in relationship begins to 
question your perception of reality in order to perhaps get their own way or to get you to do what they want or um, to, to just dominate you in a situation. And so they'll say, no, no, no it's wrong. Like, this is what happened or, or, or these are the values that are really at play here, even if they're not, like even if they're being hypocritical, they're like, they might say to you something like, we value family, but they're not valuing family, but they're putting it on you, trying to get you to conform to something. A culture can do that to you because what happens is, is if the culture becomes the plumb line, then when you do something contrary to the culture, instead of comparing you to the word of God, the culture will compare you to itself and it becomes the benchmark for reality. Mm-hmm. And it says, so you're like, oh, but I want to spend more time with my family. But the culture says, no, you have to volunteer at three services on a weekend. Uh-huh. Anything out of that's just not following Jesus. And you're like, oh, and then there's this like feeling in your head and heart. You're like, hang on, maybe I'm supposed to be doing that because that's what the culture says. Like, that's what it means to follow Jesus. But you're reading the word of God and you're like, hang on a second, I'm just, I'm just not. And so the culture begins to say, hey, this is the benchmark over here. So we use this side for the culture. This is the benchmark here. The culture is the benchmark of what it means to follow Jesus. But you're saying you want to do this. Well, you know, and then and then it'll call you rebellious and it'll call you this and it'll call you that. But ah, it's a hard line, right? And, yeah, yeah. and um, but this is part of this whole breaking free from spiritual codependency is you have to actually know him for yourself mm-hmm. and know the difference so that when it looks like, hey, I need to really get involved in this thing in our church culture, and go with it it's because you're coming from a place of conviction and you're actually taking responsibility for your own spiritual war with him and you take responsibility for your choices um even if it puts you at odds at times with the with the flow of some things you're able to get no i've got i know him and he, i know where he's leading me um and then at the same time and you're responsible for that you take responsibility for it, it might have consequences for you uh, and at the same time when you choose to be engaged with the church culture which most of the time you should um you it's because you chose to see when if it goes wrong you don't blame the church culture and blame other leaders they said they they did they you know you're able to say no i I chose because i made a decision and i'm not codependent on my church culture or my leaders for their approval and not just approval the approval of a church culture like what you're hearing Help us continue to make Elijah Fire and the Elijah Fire podcast possible. To get behind this ministry, visit ElijahFire.com slash give. Now, back to the show. I actually live for one voice, hmm. his approval of him. Yeah. And so I listen to that. And um, this could be particularly relevant in some of the um, mainline denominations that are embracing you know, homosexuality and stuff like that. And, um, and then you, you live for a voice of one and you're like, that's not what the word says. I'm sorry. I'm actually going to have to detach from this. Yeah. And, I, and I've seen people do that. And, um, and, um, or you're not sure and you don't know the word well enough, but you cry out to the Holy spirit and you say, I, I hear this and I hear this, like in two different conflicting ideas. What, what help me Holy spirit. I've got some friends that, um, you know, um, in the States and she, she was in that exact situation, asking that exact question. And she's in a, in a church where they were embracing that. And the Holy spirit spoke to her very clearly. And said, um, you know, uh, that's not the way I made you. Uh, and then she knew. And there's a big difference between the Holy Spirit speaking to you about a conviction or a church culture or, um, or a, um, you know, a doctrine or whatever. Um, and he speaks to you because he speaks to your spirit, man. You, you know, and it will be confirmed in the word versus yeah. 
people arguing their point. You actually have to hear. You have to have a first-hand revelation. Yeah. Um, well, Carson, uh, do you feel like that mentality, though, is like, you know, suddenly, you know, you it started with one thing and then a couple of years go by and you look at, around and you're like, oh, we're we're actually marrying. We're, we're, we're performing homosexual marriages now. We're not talking about, uh, you know, you know, the pursuit of holiness and, and being conformed to the image of Christ anymore. We're just we're just coddling people's lifestyles so that they're actually not even they believe in Jesus now, but they're they're not there's no transformation. Do you feel like that? I hear a lot of like pastors and people talk about how there's these no fly zone topics like you don't talk about tithing. You don't talk about this, you know, because I would lose congregants. Do you feel like that's sort of the origin where it's it, or that can be the, the point of origin for that? Is that mentality of like, oh, we don't talk about this because people get upset and we get emails because we talked about uh -huh. people giving us their money, you know, and then down the road that can yield to, you know, oh, we're, we're okay. Oh, our pastor's gay, openly gay, or, oh, their pastor's openly trans or they're, you know, these are things that the Bible is very clear on, um, you know? So, yeah, I just wanted to hear your thoughts on that. I'm curious. Yeah, totally. Oh, um, I'd say two things like for people that are just at the no fly zone end of the spectrum, rather than actually embracing and stuff where they really, they still, really know the truth and they still believe the truth. Yeah. Um, leadership's hard. Yeah. <laughs> it takes courage. You're responsible. And what you, what you permit on earth, you'll permit in the heavenlies and what you bind on earth will be bound the heavenly. So if you don't talk about it and you don't teach about it, then eventually you'll permit it whether you want to or not. Hmm. It's really hard. And we're getting confronted right now with the reality that you're going to have to choose to please God and build lampstands that last or tolerate the woman Jezebel and it falls down. Yeah. Um, and it's going to cost something. That's why if it was easy, everyone would do it, right? right? It's going to cost us something. It's going to cost friends. It's going to cost money. It's going to cost church buildings. Um, but ultimately, he will shepherd his church and he will... I won't speak presumptuously for his judgments, but um, I think you'll find some lampstands being removed, I, I suspect. Um, and you'll notice that a lot of these places that are, that I've just gone with it in terms of licentiousness, they don't talk about Jesus anymore. Mm. They use words like uh, contemplative and relationship with the Father. And, and or the light. Whatever. I've heard people say the light. Mm -hmm. They're yeah. not actually talking about Jesus because in him there is no darkness. Yeah. Um, so I'm not going to swim around in that swimming pool for um, for long and, I, and I'm not going to spend my life arguing with people that are um, that have chosen that pathway. Um, anyone that genuinely calls upon the name of the Lord and is genuinely seeking him will eventually find him and find truth. So even in those um, spheres, there you will find people coming out of them where they'd be like, yeah, my pastor said this and blah, 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 blah. But then I had a dream or I read the Bible and the Holy Spirit spoke to me, you know. Um, and um, there's always hope. Yeah. Uh, and there are, there are, there are uh, 
theological rebellions happening within those spheres as well. And that's all I'll say about that. But you'll mm. see them emerge. Um, but that wasn't quite where I was wanting to go with sort of plumb line. Um, Sorry. That's all right. I just had um, to ask. It needs to be said, like, if we don't put this out there, then who will? Yeah. And there's plenty of great voices out there, don't get me wrong. Um, but uh, as far as church plumb line and church culture goes, I just want to read that this is, a, this is something that's happening at the moment. Like, we're getting confronted with these things, whether it's the fear of man and the, wanting to protect our kingdoms and all that sort of stuff. And we're going to have to choose just to live for the one voice. Um, but as far as us taking responsibility for our own spiritual walk, uh, I'm just going to read from 2 Corinthians 10 right now because uh, there is an invitation right now. Jesus knows how to shepherd his church, hey? Amen. He knows all of us. He knows what he's doing, and he's refining us down. He's preparing us for the next level, for the next season. This is a new era. It's already started, so you know, hopefully you've got your seatbelt on already. Um, but it's not too late. Um, 2 Corinthians 10 um, Paul's talking about some ministers that are kind of having a go at him and people comparing themselves and talking about their own ministry and defending their ministry and stuff like that. He says this in verse 12, for we are not bold to class or compare ourselves with some of those who commend themselves. So people like building up their own ministries and talking about, you know, this is what we're doing and this is who I am and, and all this sort of stuff. And, um, but, but he says this, when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they're without understanding. I think another translation says they do poorly. Uh, I'm going to read it from uh, from the uh, Phillips translation. I, I don't know why today. I just felt like the Phillips translation was a good addition to this. No. Um, it says this. Um, of course... Um, Actually, I'll read the heading because it's a paraphrase. So the heading is kind of most part of the scripture in terms of the author. Um, it says, God's appointment means more than self-recommendation. Of course, we shouldn't dare include ourselves in the same class as those who write their own testimonials or even compare ourselves with them. All they are doing, of course, is to measure themselves by their own standards or by comparing themselves within their own circle. And that doesn't make for accurate estimation you may be sure. No, we shall not make any wild claims, but simply judge ourselves by the line of duty which God has marked out for us. If you're living to build your ministry, if you're living to try to be somebody or something in the body of Christ, eventually that's going to run out of steam. You're just living for the one from a place of appreciation. You don't have to build a ministry to be anything or do anything. That comes out of the fullness of your heart. This is the plumb line. If you want to know how your life should look, live with him in obedience to his word. When Jesus said, um, those who hear my... We talked about building your life on the rock, right? Yeah. And we talk about it, building your life on the word. And you ought to build your life on the word. Don't don't think that just building your life on the word, that, that this is cutting that down in any way. Because mm-hmm. um, it says to add to your faith, understanding and knowledge. Um but he says, those that hear my words and don't do them are like a man that built his house on the sand and the flood came and, and, it, and it fell. But he said, those that hear my words and do them are like those that build their house on a rock. 
I'm not talking about legalism or striving or any of that stuff. He was talking specifically after the Sermon on the Mount. If you read through the Sermon on the Mount, you'll find that Jesus is walking you through what it looks like in many ways just to follow him and to obey him. And I've noticed it's the people that just do his word. They follow his spirit. They're, they're listening to his voice and are obedient. That's what counts. That's the lives that stand. They're the lives that produce fruit. Were they, were they listening and they're having this interactivity with the word of God and God speaks to their heart mm-hmm. and, they, and, and they're led by him and his spirit and his word and they just do it. I usually know it by generosity. Oftentimes this might sound a bit, um, a bit selfish, but like I've had people that we've discipled and then they come to us and they're like, oh, we want to give you this much money or we felt the Lord say, give us this or give us that. And um, I get so overjoyed. What about the gift? What about them mm-hmm. and where they're at? Because they're actually doing the word. God will provide my needs, but I'm not actually worried about it. And if you're offended by that, it's just ask the Holy Spirit. He'll help you. He'll just disarm the whole money thing for you. Yeah. It's going to pass away anyway. Don't worry mm-hmm. about it. Um, it's, it's the fruit of their obedience where they're actually walking with Jesus Christ, listening to his Holy Spirit, listening to the word, and then it's manifesting in their lives as obedience. It's bearing fruit. They're abiding in him. And, and they're not, they didn't do it because someone said from the platform to do it. They didn't do it because of a good teaching they heard. They did it because they had firsthand relationship with the Father where they're like, oh, man, we're gonna, we just feel led by the Spirit. We know the Word says this. We're going to do it. And sowing into other people's lives is one of the, the quickest markers of that. Same with forgiveness. Oh, when I, when I watch people, when they go through hard times, especially mm-hmm. in ministry where someone does something, that, especially with, done by another Christian, I don't know about you, but I find it easier to forgive non-Christians because I know that they don't know. But when yeah. it's someone that should know better and there's betrayal involved and stuff like that, that's for me personally when I found it the most challenging. But when you yeah, go no, to I the agree. Father and you draw from his word and you hear things like, unless you forgive your brother from your heart, neither will you, Father in heaven forgive you. Instead of reading that like this fearful commandment, you're like, oh, I read that and it slices between soul and spirit. And suddenly you're like, I'm empowered to do this. Mm-hmm. God, I know not only what you require of me, but what you produce in me. So here's, take my hand, Lord, or I take your hand, Lord, because I know you're offering it to me. Walk me through forgiveness here because I'm ready, because I yeah. want to obey you. And you watch as you do that, you will stand. Come on. And you will bear fruit and you will find some of the most beautiful places of intimacy with the Father and his word and his spirit. And you will find the living reality of some of what Paul talks about in terms of being dead or dying daily. I'm not talking about dying to your flesh. Um, I'm talking about where you actually live selflessly before the Father for the building of the body and to know what it is to share in the sufferings of Christ. You will, um, you will gain freedom that isn't available through your praying because you're living it. You're walking with him. You become, to quote, I think it was Polycarp. He said just before his execution, excuse me, Now we truly become disciples because that's what it means to follow him. Mm. You obey the word and you follow him and you trust him. 
Wow. I know I'm weighty today. I talked to, we'll start, we'll finish where we started. I said, tremble at my word. Hmm. I can't walk without him. I can't walk without his word. And neither can you. You'll be listening today. In this hour, you need it. You've always needed it. He created the world by his words. It's not a nice idea. It's true. His word will stand when the earth wraps up like a garment and the heavens fold up and it burns with fire. His word will still stand and so will you. If you take anything from today, grab your Bible and give it a hug and then live in it and say to the Lord, I, I, I humble myself. I want you. I want to live in you. Teach me, lead me, make my life everything that you've called it to be. And you normally, you know, we normally end the show by praying. Would you mind if I just segue straight into that, Jeff? Yeah. Father, would you release the awe of your word today? Would we tremble at your word and know that we depend on your hold? Would you give us understanding, cause us to stand? And then from that place, would you give us weapons that not only refute the lies of the enemy, but dismantle his weapons and bring others into the place of truth that has fire on it, God, and the weight and the joy and the the the, the, uh, the fear of the Lord on it. Lord. Would you be the plumb line of our heart, Holy Spirit, by your word, as we read it, would it realign our hearts to know truth, to know how much you love us, to know how redeemed we are, to know how holy we've been made and that we can walk in it. Redeem our lives to truth. Disarm the offenses and the disappointments. Let us know your word, Jesus, and that we would walk in love with you, Jesus, utterly appreciative of you and your redemption and your work. Would you release an impartation of understanding, God, and an impartation, Holy Spirit, of um, of revelationship, of intimacy with you and your word. Release it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. And I pray and prophesy right now that someone listening to this would be transformed, that they'd actually come out of doubt, come out of uh, liberal theology, come out of quote-unquote progressiveness and all these other things, that they should be lifted out, they'd be set free because God loves you. And he is holy and he wants intimacy with you and he will lift you out. He will set you free. He will answer the questions of your heart. Prophesied over you now in the name of Jesus, be free. Thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. Wow, Kostin. That's good stuff, man. Thank you for your vulnerability. Thank you for uh, just, you know, laying it all out there, man. So necessary. You're so welcome. It's a privilege. Yeah. I feel his love for you guys and for what you do. And I feel his love for those watching this right now intensely. He loves you very much. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, everybody, you can take whatever uh, the Holy Spirit highlighted you. Uh, but I feel like the word of today is revelationship, you know, and it's, it's a like good word. Those, those two things beget each other, that revelation and that relationship, the, the, the relationship produces greater revelation as you press into him and then that revelation makes you want to spend time with him more you know yes. and more relationship you know so um yeah just really quick i i had a great 
uh, accidental thing that really sparked that hunger for relationship with God within me. And it was when I was in YWAM and there was this, we were in this leadership school and there was this, each week there was a, a new leader. There's a main leader, but he would like go travel. And so he'd have a, a guest leaders that would kind of teach us things. And so at the beginning of the week, this lady, she handed me a scripture and it was a really obscure scripture within the story of Jesus and, and taking the three disciples up to the Mount of Transfiguration. And it was a really obscure one that was like on the surface, you're like, well, this isn't one of like the, the shinier verses within that passage of scripture. And God gave me this just crazy revelation about being a secret keeper, that there wow. are things that God says to those he trusts and, yep. and I was just like, it was this super heavy revelation for me. Wow. And it was funny because she was really moved by it. But when I shared, cause we all would share what God spoke to us, you know, through this scripture. And, and I, she, she goes, that actually is not the scripture I was supposed to give you. And I'm like, <laughs> but it was, it was what the Lord wanted. this revelation, you know, within wow. me. And so it's just like, that's it, man. Is like the 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 hunger and that that revelation is like knowing him, and the, what that produces with inside of you. Man, man, it's priceless. Is that when he said um, to the the man of transfiguration? He said, "Don't tell anybody about this till after I've been glorified." It it may have been. I need to go through again and actually like find the scripture which yeah. one it was, because man. yeah, it was like a really obscure one within there, uh, you know. So. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. It's funny that like, you're sharing that now. There's another scripture, Matthew uh, 10, 27. It says, um, the things that you hear whispered in the ear, shout from the rooftops and what you hear spoken in um, secret um, broadcasts aloud. And uh, I've discovered that everything that everything that I that I minister from, I haven't read it in a book. I haven't been taught it in a school, even though those things help build that framework sure. for you to receive. Yeah, It's been from my relationship with him yeah absolutely um, so anybody who's uh, um really have been in this place of like man i wish that i could know costa or i wish i could know god like costin does or like mandy or krista elisha or whoever or andrew tau you know whoever we have on the show you can you have that same access like there's nothing special right. about me there's nothing Amen. special about costin there's nothing special yeah. about like it's, it's Jesus and it's yeah. what he's done in us. And it's the revelation of recognizing what he's done and then acting as a result of that, walking right. out in that assurance. That's where it comes from. You guys, it's not any special, like we didn't drink some magical elixir. Or like, you know, we didn't find the perfect teaching that brought the perfect, you know, it's the Holy spirit active yeah. in our lives, the friend, the helper, you know, like, that's that's it man and it's just like in the diving into the word and and, yeah. and asking god like open your word up to me open yes. your word up to me you know so yeah. that's what it is guys come it's on not, sometimes faith just looks like yeah. i believe you i believe that i've got access even if i don't feel like it so i'm just yeah. gonna spend some time with you god see that's it man. just watch right what there. he does yeah that's it right there absolutely come on so good man so good all right so um do you, you know, next week, uh, next Friday is going to be the final installment of this series and it's going to be you and Mandy. Have you guys talked a little bit? Can you give us a little teaser about what it's going to be about? We can, we can, we can. So, 
um, we talk about the word of God and how that plays out as a prophet, um, why you need to know the word as a prophet and when you speak prophetically. Uh, I'm going to talk about the multi-na- multi-dimensional nature of the word of God, when, especially sweet. when it comes to the prophetic and the spirit realm. Yeah, sweet. Um, and, and some things about... I won't give it too much, but but but, but how to clear clear the spirit realm with truth and, and what on. that looks like. Okay, all right, that's gonna be sweet. I can't yeah. wait. Well, Costa, thank you so much, man. It's so good. Thank you. Bless yeah. you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Well, everybody, that's our show. Have a blessed weekend, you guys, and we will see you on Monday. Okay, bye. This has been Elijah Fire. Thanks for listening. For more episodes like this, you can check out the Elijah Fire podcast on ElijahFire.com, on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can watch us live every weekday at 2 p.m. Pacific time on YouTube, Rumble, Twitch, and Facebook. Elijah Fire is presented by Elijah Streams and is part of Elijah List Ministries. Go to ElijahFire.com slash give for more info on how you can donate today.